0: You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. In a cartoon by Peter Steiner, published in The New Yorker, a doctor comes out of the delivery room to meet an expectant father and says, it's a baby. Federal regulations prohibit our mentioning its race, age, or gender. Welcome to the Clinicians Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Attorney Joseph T. Monahan. Mr. Monahan is the co-founder of the law firm Monahan and Cohen in Chicago. He teaches at Loyola Law School and represents healthcare professionals, hospitals, and social service agencies. His many areas of expertise include confidentiality and risk management. Joseph Monahan, welcome to the Clinicians Roundtable.
1: Good morning, Susan.
0: Is it true you were also trained as a social worker?
1: It is true. I uh, was trained as a social worker and had my uh, master's and bachelor's degree in social work. And
0: how did you transition from social work to the law?
1: You know, I found that in many of the questions that were being asked in the social work profession were all being answered by lawyers. And the law has such a huge impact on what professionals do and how they practice. And I felt that it was a good idea to change professions and go into the legal profession.
0: And when you educate medical professionals, what do you tell them about confidentiality?
1: What I tell people is I use the Nancy Reagan approach to confidentiality, and that is just say no. When people are asking for information about patients' records, patients' diagnosis, patients anything, the first rule that I try to tell professionals is just say no because they have an obligation to protect their patient's confidentiality.
0: And are there any particular cases that come to mind that highlight confidentiality pitfalls for medical professionals?
1: There's a whole series of examples that I could use as simple as the person who is maybe coming to the doctor's office because they have been told by their employer, for example, that they have to go to the doctor to get their alcohol or drug problem addressed. And the employer then calls the doctor to say, did this person show up for treatment? Just the notion that the person did or did not show up could cost the person their job. So I use that as a simple example of how important it is to remember and train your office staff to say, just say no, because whether a person even is a patient is confidential information. We see um, confidentiality in all areas, from little babies to teenagers and middle-aged and old age. For babies, for example, in today's society, we have grandparents raising children. We have aunts and uncles who are stepping in. We have divorcing or separated parents, and it's very important for the physician to always remember who has the authority to give written and informed consent for treatment. Teenagers represent another area where there's lots of problems as it relates to birth control, as it relates to abortion, who has the right to know what teenagers' medical care is? Who has the right to make decisions for the teenagers' medical care? And depending on local and state law, that answer could be very different. And as you move along the age line, adults often assume that spouses can give consent but that is not true either. We sometimes get very casual of how we share information and get consent for our patients and we have to always make certain that we're getting consent from the person who's legally capable of doing that. Finally, when people get older, they may not quite understand everything that a doctor is trying to do for them. And doctors operating under the idea that they're helping or doing what's in the best interest may often find themselves in an ethical or legal dilemma for not getting consent from somebody who's able to give the consent that they need.
0: What about in a group therapy situation?
1: If you're in a situation where you're doing medical care or counseling in a group therapy situation, oftentimes people say What is said here is confidential, but the truth is it's very, very difficult to protect confidential information as soon as more than one person gets it. And group therapy confidentiality has to be carefully, carefully considered. And the legal concept is if a person breaks confidentiality by sharing it with more than one person, it's very, very difficult legally to say that it's confidential information.
0: And what about when we're dealing with the mentally ill?
1: The mentally ill and alcoholics and people who are in drug treatment are three populations. Mentally ill people, people who are alcoholics and people who are abusing or using illegal drugs have special protections under the Confidentiality Act. And, in fact, most states will have specific laws relating to each one of those individuals. Again, depending on where you fit in ages, you can have various protections. Did you know, Susan, that 12-year-olds in Illinois can determine what would happen to their mental health record? If a 12-year-old girl or boy goes in and sees a social worker, they have a right that is superior to their parents, even, of what to do with their confidential mental health record.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me today is Attorney Joseph Monahan discussing confidentiality and risk management. When may confidential information be disclosed?
1: Sometimes professionals, particularly as it relates to child abuse, doctors will have an obligation to share confidential information. So many times doctors are put into a quandary when they learn that some type of injury that they are examining may have arisen from child abuse. That often provides the doctor with an ethical dilemma of whether to report their patient, and it's often seen as a very difficult thing. Most state laws, without question, require a physician to report. It's not usually the physician's obligation to determine whether or not the child abuse occurred, but the obligation is to report the child abuse.
0: What about scientific research?
1: There are certain exceptions to confidentiality as it relates to scientific research. Most of the statutes that revolve around confidentiality and scientific research will allow records to be used for research. However, the names have to be protected because the names of the patients really don't add to the research and therefore there's a higher level of degree of protection.
0: And what about medical emergencies?
1: Sometimes there will be an obligation, again, to report confidential information. If in a medical emergency treatment is needed, one could rely on the medical emergency exception. If information is necessary to uh, share to somebody who's treating, particularly HIV status, There have been exceptions built into the law for firefighters, for EMT professionals, for other emergency professionals who have to know that a person may be HIV or have AIDS.
0: And threat to commit a crime?
1: Those are often seen as duties to warn. When a medical professional is aware that someone is going to put someone else in danger, medical professionals and psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers have an obligation to warn the victim, and they can discharge their duty to warn the victim by telling the person who is the victim of the threat by contacting the police or by taking whatever steps are necessary to ensure the safety of that person, oftentimes meaning taking steps to get the person committed to a mental health facility.
0: When you teach medical professionals, you caution to make sure they know who the client is and who has access to the records. What do you mean?
1: It's very, very important to, before you give any information, any medical information out, what that person's legal authority is to obtain the information. So I encourage medical professionals to consider two things. First, who has the legal authority to have access to this record? And second, is the person capable, have the clinical capacity to be able to authorize the release of information? The law assumes anyone over the age of 18 is going to be able to authorize or provide written and informed consent for medical care and authorize the release of information. The law also assumes that anyone over the age of 18 is capable of making these decisions. However, one would always want to consider whether this person who is over age 18, really has the clinical ability, has the cognitive ability to understand what they are providing consent for. So I suggest that you, as a physician, as a medical professional, not only do you consider the age of the person, but also their clinical capacity to provide the written and informed consent for treatment or for authorizing the disclosure of records.
0: And with the evolution of modern technology, what do you advise regarding communication of confidential information sent via fax, modem, and email?
1: The very same rules of confidentiality apply for electronic transmissions, whether it be via fax, email, computer, whatever. The same sorts of safeguards and protections that we have for confidential information does not change by virtue of our computerized age. I think we all get lulled into a sense of, of complacency, which we should not. We have to be vigilant about the transfer of records, whether it be by snail mail, email, fact,
0: Joseph Monahan, thank you for joining us today to discuss confidentiality and risk management. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.